willingness to sing wonderful people. So this Advent season we've been thinking about four Christmas carols, four songs in the opening chapters of Luke. The very first Christmas carols, praising God for the coming of the Lord Jesus. <coughs> the first one was that we studied the, Mag the Magnificat, Luke chapter 1, and we looked at 46 to 45. And then last week, so thankful that Tom Brand was with us, enjoyed that very much. And we looked at the Benedictus, Zechariah's song. And today we think about the song of the angels. We've been singing about that. That was sung over the shepherds while they kept their watch by night over their flocks. They sang glory to God. So let's pray before we read Luke 2 and then study it for a few moments together. Lord Jesus, could you shepherd your flock now in the majesty of the name of the Lord our God. Grant that we hear your voice speaking to us in the power of the Holy Spirit from the text of Holy Scripture. We might be secure that we see that you're great the ends of the earth, and that you will indeed be our peace this Christmas. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Hear now the word of God, Luke 2 and verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Well, Christ came for shepherds and not for kings. The angels were not sent to kings sitting on imperial thrones, presidents sitting in the White House, or prime ministers, the angels were sent to shepherds. And the great good news announced to shepherds, it was and is, that God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself. That he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It did not make headline news. There was not a press conference from Downing Street. The stock markets did not stop trading. No one was shaken from their beds that night to be told the news that would change everything. Maybe you, you remember the great epoch 
making events of our time. I guess it depends how old you are. You know where you were when they happened. I was only a very tiny baby, but I know a lot of people remember the assassination of JFK. Or Lady Di, when, you know, when, 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 when you woke in the morning and the news was just that the Princess of Wales had been killed in Paris. Or I remember hearing about 9-11. I was actually driving on an autobahn from Vienna to Knoiberg, and I just thought, I, you know, just the news was just so black, if you remember. Some people think that yesterday wasn't a particularly brilliant day for news. It wasn't meant much good news around. But on the night when the single greatest moment in human history took place, when God, who created all, who created everything, when he stepped onto the scene of history as a baby in Jesus Christ, no one took notice. The world's population did not turn to each other and say, I remember where I was when that took place. But a handful of rough, unlettered shepherds in the middle of the wilderness, in the dead of the night, were the ones to whom the angelic messenger is sent, and above whom the choirs of heaven sang their song. And that's astonishing if you just reflect a little. And I think we, well, you, you're, you're kind of used to pastors saying, you know, telling you about how, you know, how shepherds were treated in those days. But really think about it with me just for a moment. A shepherd was on par with the tax collectors. And the tax collectors were even worse then than they are now. I really hope none of you work for HMRC. I really apologise. But they were more like a loan shark. You know, one of the really bad loan sharks that you read about. Untrustworthy and held in universal contempt. The rabbis prohibited devout Jews from buying wool, milk, or meat from shepherds on the assumption that it was probably stolen. There was no position in the world that was as despised as that of shepherds. They were considered to be so untrustworthy their testimony was inadmissible in a court of law. They were by all accounts the lowest of the low, the outcast, the unclean, the unreliable, the universally considered petty thieves whose word could not be trusted. It's not the profession that you would like your children to aspire to. And before then, the heavenly choir burst into song. And actually, given how they felt about shepherds, the rabbis actually themselves wrestled with Psalm 23, I realised last week, and declared the Lord to be our shepherd. How could it be that God is our shepherd? A shepherd. And their perplexity, ironic though it is, provides part of the answer to the question. Why is the announcement of the birth of Christ given to shepherds. The Lord is a shepherd, that is why. The Lord is our shepherd. And when he became a man in Christ to tend his flock, to lead his people to green pastures and quiet waters, he came to shepherd country 
and he came to the city of David, Bethlehem. Israel's greatest king, from whom the Messiah would descend, was King David. But before he was a king, he was a shepherd, tending flocks in the same fields over which the angels sang that night. God comes to us in Jesus. He is the good shepherd. Jesus to shepherd his people. And the message is not for the mighty, the powerful, and the elite. The sophisticated and the aristocrat almost always misunderstood the message and mission. Jesus comes to shepherd the outsiders and the unclean. And they're the targets of his love from the first. However you came this morning, Jesus is for you. Jesus is the shepherd king. And he came on a mission for people like the shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. The message of Christmas is timeless, but it doesn't make it any less true. That in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, the only kingdom that ultimately matters, the kingdom of God, is for broken sinners, not for perfect saints. It's for screw-ups, not for stars. Jesus said, you will remember, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And so Jesus didn't come to call the people who thought they were righteous, he came to call sinners. It's the upside-down nature of God's kingdom that Jesus is coming, inaugurates, and brings and offers. And I want you to take this away with you, I really do, that the message of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, the Shepherd King, came for you. He came for you. Jesus' birth was for shepherds, not for kings, for outsiders, not the elite, for sinners in need of a saviour, for you. He came for you. And I praise the Lord that he came for me. So he came for shepherds and not for kings. And he came secondly to dispel fear and ignite joy. What a message. We need that today. Jesus came to dispel fear and to ignite joy. It's the middle of the night. The Greek of the text says the shepherds were watching the watches. Not watching these things, but watching the watches. They divided the night into various shifts and they took it in turn. Some were sleeping and some were staying awake to watch the watches. So the bulk of the camp are asleep. Just think about it. The bulk, the bulk of the camp are asleep. And one or two are watching the flock. They're tending the flock. And it would be dark countryside at night. I'm sure it would be a lot drier than we are today. Isn't it wet today? And I, I can't remember when it last didn't rain, by the way. But anyway, maybe the only sounds would be the odd snore from, from, from a shepherd or the bleating of a sheep. You know, meh. You know, that, that, they would be the only sounds. Sorry about that. But then suddenly, can you imagine that suddenly pitch black? Suddenly, it's like as if somebody flipped a switch and stadium floodlights engulfed those little shepherds. Said an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, shone sh around them. And probably that floodlight doesn't even, doesn't even scratch it, but it, just to try and give you sort of a, 
a visual picture. I don't like being woken suddenly from sleep. My wife will tell you that as well. It scares me half to death. I'm scared if I'm woken suddenly. But think of how terrifying it must have been for them, the shepherds. You probably would have heard their shrieks from afar. Luke said, said that they were filled with great fear. The glory of God shone about them. And there is a sense that they were right to be scared. Because they're sinful men like me. They're guilty in the sight of God. And now the glory of God engulfs them. Do you think, I'm sure, because I'm thinking about this, I would have thought, is this judgment day? You know, is this judgment day? You would have thought that, wouldn't you? That, that must have been at least one thought. You know, they probably felt like Isaiah did. Woe is me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. The shepherds are terrified as the glory of holy, holy, holy God surrounds them. And there is always, that's what our sin does when we're brought into the presence of God. Our sin condemns us. We do feel unclean. We feel unworthy. But the first word of the angelic message is fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. One day Jesus will come to judge the world. And in that day, all who have rejected his reign and refused his lordship, every unbelieving heart will have grounds for fear. But it wasn't that day. And brothers and sisters, today is still not that day. It's the day of grace. And the angel is explaining that Jesus has come to cast out fear. And the message is still today. Fear not, the Lord has come. His coming is good news that brings great joy. And Jesus' is coming drives out fear, just at least in a couple of ways. He drives out the fear of failure. Because you cannot fail if you don't have to qualify. You cannot fail if you don't have to qualify. You cannot fail if acceptance with God is not on the basis of your qualification. If it's offered to you as a free gift in the gospel, because the one who was born of a virgin lay in a stable, died on a tree, has qualified for you. And if you know him, you need never fear the rejection of God. Isn't that good news? There are so many who are fearful of failure. And though they may still be sinners falling short of the glory in Christ, we can all be forgiven, pardoned, and accepted. And the second great fear that Jesus is coming dispels is the fear of condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's especially poignant to me at my mother's last words. She came lucid just to say there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that's wonderful, that's wonderfully true. It is true. If you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. The world may condemn you. Your friends may condemn you. Your family may condemn you. You condemn you. But in Christ, there is no condemnation. The child born of a virgin 
is condemned in our face. So let those truths, they are truths, like a really good coffee maker, percolate in your consciousness. Let them percolate. And when they percolate, they will give you joy, even Christmas 2020. You are accepted in Christ. You are. And it is free. What a gift has been given in the Lord Jesus and those who receive it. No, not fear, but joy. There can be no better message than that. No better message. Whatever kind of world we leave here and go out to, there is not fear, but joy, if you know Jesus, the one who came. And thirdly, just the upside-down values of the kingdom. We've just seen it already. Jesus came for the shepherds, not for the kings. He brings joy, not fear, in 2020. And thirdly, we see the upside-down values of the kingdom. Nowhere more clearly than the king born in a stable. The child born that day is Christ the Lord. He was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. His family comes from the house and lineage of David, which means that this child is the heir of David's throne and will bring to fulfilment the prophecy from Micah 5. How will this mighty king from of old, this promised saviour, be known? What is the insignia of majesty that will set him apart and identify him as the Davidic king who will rule and reign and redeem his people? There will be a sign. A baby wrapped in swaddling cross and laying in a manger. The unbounded Lord of glory, upholding the universe, asleep in a cattle trough. Never think that God is beyond your reach. No, see him lying in a manger, in a stable for you, that the lowest of us may know him. See how far he has stooped to reach you in his love and grace and mercy. He came down. The omnipotent maker was made dependent baby. The everywhere present God filling the cosmos, bound in swaddling cloths. And it is the pattern that characterises the life of the Lord Jesus. He who had no bed in infancy had none in adulthood. Foxes of holes and birds of nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He who was bound with the common, common bands of a nursing baby at birth was bound by the cruel shackles of a criminal at his death. And he who was unnoticed at his first coming was despised and rejected at his crucifixion. The one heralded as the son of David laid in a manger would be called the king of the Jews and was nailed to a cross. And here is the greatest of the upside down values of the kingdom. The one that gives meaning and becomes the reason for all of the others. God became man. The king was laid in a manger. The Lord and giver of life, born a helpless dependent child, was crucified, dead, and buried. So the angel announces this extraordinary news to shepherds. And there's no wonder that the heavens split open and the night is chased away. The angels, the hosts of heaven, have been eavesdropping. 
And as they hear about the coming of Jesus and the circumstances of his coming, it is as though they, they can contain themselves no longer. And I'm reminded of 1 Peter 1. These are things into which the angels long to look. Because there was only an intellectual understanding of the meaning of Christ's coming for the angels. They're not the object of redeeming love. Jesus did not come for the angels. No, he came for miserable, guilty sinners like me and you, dwelling in the depravity of a fallen world. And he came as one of us. He had a true body and soul to be the perfect redeemer and the saviour of sinners. So picture the scene. It is like everyone packed into a darkened room waiting for the surprise party. The lights are out. Suddenly someone opens the door and flicks the switch. And at last now the angels can jump from cover and join the celebration. Glory to God and on earth peace. And they start to sing. And the final thing we see about the upside down and back to front values of the kingdom that Jesus brings is that Jesus, we see, he came for shepherds, not for kings. For sinners, not the righteous. He came to bring joy, not fear. He came as the King of Kings in humble obscurity. And he comes to bring glory to God and peace for the world. They're the consequences and the effects of Jesus' coming. This is what Christmas is about. The glory of God and peace to men and women through faith in Jesus Christ. There it is. The glory of God and peace for men and women through faith in Jesus Christ. That is why the virgin conceived and bore a son and wrapped them in swaddling cloths and laid them in a manger. The glory of God, peace to men. In a world that says to God, my will be done, glory to me, well, has always found that peace eludes us. It's one characteristic of the world. They want the glory, but peace is it. Eludes us. Jesus was born to say to God in our nature, Thy will be done. Not my will be done, but Thy will be done. And when the nails were pounded into His hands and feet, and when the thorns punctured His brow, and what peace for Him was shattered, it was for the glory of God and peace to men. That's why we sing, Glory to God, peace to men. We are so wrapped up in the pursuit of our own glory. And what does it do? It shatters our peace. When we pursue our own glory, it shatters our peace. Jesus surrendered his peace in the pursuit of God's glory and he won peace for us who trust in him. There is peace with God. I, I can't think of a better message to hear that there is peace. There is peace with God, peace from God for you in Jesus Christ this Christmas. You find it paradoxically when you give up the pursuit of your own glory, your own praise, your own reputation. When you cease to fill your own horizons and you turn your eyes instead to Jesus and you learn to sing with the angels, glory to God, then peace will come. Micah 5 verse 5, the shepherd king, the prophet, foretold, will be our peace. When you pursue your own glory, peace will be forever elusive. 
But when the glory of God has captured your heart as he comes to you in Jesus Christ, I can't think of a better and more better news than in him there is peace for you. Jesus came for shepherds, not for kings. He came for sinners, not the righteous. He came for screw-ups, not for stars. He came for you. He came for me. And he came not to cause us terror, but to give us joy. He came to make your guilty heart sin. He came, the mighty Lord of glory, born in weakness and poverty, to give his life in the pursuit of God's glory. He exchanged his peace at the cross, that you may exchange your alienation from God with peace with God forever. What a gift we have in the gospel, that God became man for our salvation, to give us peace and joy in place of fear and shame and alienation. May the Lord be gracious to us to bring us on bended knee anew to the Lord Jesus Christ. And like the angels, we can sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with those upon whom he is pleased. Glory to God, peace on earth. May that be your portion this Christmas, for his name's sake, for his glory, for our eternal good. Amen.